This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts. Week 9 has arrived and so has a new episode of another Dolphins Podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us. Joshua House has a very, very, very busy day. So we are riding as a duo today, Jake Mendel, Merrick Brave. Merrick. How you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well today, Jake. Thanks for having me on. As always, our, our little Wednesday tradition. Um, so happy to be here with you. Happy to be celebrating another Dolphins victory. Six and two on the year. That's tied for the best record in the AFC. That feels good. Look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I don't know. I, I definitely would not have predicted six and two. Uh, even in my wildest imaginations, but some people seem a little annoyed at six and two, which is weird, but, uh, settle down folks. Uh, it's a long season and we are, we're strapped in here on another dolphins podcast. We're ready to rock and roll and, and gear up for this chiefs game this weekend. So the last time the dolphins started a season six and two was 2021. Can you think of the last time they started a season seven and two? D- not 2021. 2001 is 2001 it? did i say 2021 i meant 2001 my bad you did i was like oh man i forgot about that two years ago to 2001 let's see let's see i would have been a sophomore in high school that that fall fall of 2001 um first grade <laughs> i'm trying to remember other things that would have happened in 2001 you know just normal sophomore in high school stuff i guess trying to make sure my my jeans look cool, and and I asked the right girl to the dance. Priorities, priorities. But the last time this Dolphins team was seven and two, two thousand, just the year before. So oh, not okay. a little, little bit of a curveball, but that's an easy stat to remember. Also, something I thought that was really cool, Merrick. Before we get into um, all the fun stuff today, the Dolphins are one of four teams to have winning records in each of the last three years. Can you guess the other three? Chiefs. Yep. Um, 49ers? New. Oh, wow. Eagles? New. Oh, I'm, I'm Bills. Bills, yep. And then the last one is Chiefs, also the Bills, Bengals. It's your it's division. You got the division. Uh, Ravens. Pittsburgh, man. Somehow oh, Pittsburgh wow. stays the grittiest. Like That's 90- right. Yeah, Mike Tomlin's <laughs> never had a losing record as a coach, correct? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. People don't really think about that, especially when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers struggling. And, you know, you mentioned it. Some people are upset at six and two, but put that into perspective, man. Like we sit here and we still feel the fear of being a Dolphins fan, but history shows this team kind of has been successful in recent in recent uh, memory we'll go with. Yeah. And, and they certainly have the right uh, mixture of talent and coaching right now that's gotten them to this mark. And it, it, the coaching's not going anywhere this season and the talent is actually getting back, you know, coming off of injured reserve and coming into this team, you know, not, not via trade. The Dolphins didn't make a trade, but you know, they got some players back 
off injury or look to be getting some players back off injury this week. If we, if we're uh, reading the tea leaves in Mike McDaniel's presser earlier today over in Germany, if we're reading those correctly, uh, it's, it's a good time to be a Dolphins fan. We got an exciting game coming up this weekend, uh, but plenty more football after that. So we, we, like I said, we're strapped in, we're ready to rock and roll and we're ready to entertain the people here. Thanks for listening guys. Merrick, you uh, did a bit of a road trip during the summer, if I remember correctly, up and down the East Coast. And this trip is completely different, flying out to Germany. But the big thing that some people are starting to talk about, and it's kind of, uh, it's just kind of a wait and see, and whatever happens, happens. But the Miami Dolphins left for Germany on Monday. The Kansas City Chiefs are leaving for Germany on Thursday. That means the Miami Dolphins will be practicing three times in Germany. We've already had players like Javon Holland and Tua come out and say, hey, we kind of like being tourists a little bit. Tua mentioned he was playing golf. While for the Chiefs, they're practicing twice in the States, flying over, and they're kind of just doing like tunnel vision for two days. We're just going to practice, we're just going to football, and we're going to go back home, and it's going to be over. When you hear of those two approaches, does it matter? Before you pick which one is better, does it matter? I think it does matter. And I think history kind of shows that the team that, that goes earlier maybe is a little bit fresher. They're able to avoid some of the jet lag that, that the teams that travel later in the week experience during the game. And I think it actually bears itself out in the the win-loss column. I, I, you know, I, I don't have uh, full, full numbers in front of me. I can't give you an exact win-loss record, but I do believe the team that travels over earlier does win uh, a higher percentage of the time than the team who does travel later. So I think that that could be a good omen for this Dolphins team this weekend against the Chiefs in Germany. Um, I don't know how you get there on a Friday and then play a game on a Sunday and expect to be adjusted to that dramatic of a time shift. I mean, we we talk about all the time West Coast teams traveling to the East Coast and playing those early games, how much of a disadvantage that is. And you're just, you know, flying over a few hours over one country. Imagine flying over an entire ocean, you know, multiple hours difference. You know, I think it's like, what, six hours for, for England. If you're flying from like New York to England, there's like a six hour difference or something like that, five or six hours. Um, so I, I prefer the Dolphins approach. I think you get a little acclimated to, you know, your surroundings and you're not dealing with all the the extra crap that comes with traveling. Um, and and you know, they're, they're getting to bond a little bit as a team as well. They're getting to do a little sightseeing. You got guys talking about going out for some beers and eating some schnitzel and, and things like that, which is, I think just like a pork tenderloin, right? Like a schnitzel is just kind of like a, yeah, those are real big where I'm from here in Iowa. We're big on the pork tenderloin. So I'd probably be grabbing a schnitzel or two myself if I made the trip. But uh, yeah, I think this early travel is a good thing for the Miami Dolphins. I think it should help them, you know, gain a slight advantage over the Chiefs considering their late travel, like you said, not arriving until tomorrow. As a showman, uh, what's your experience when you've had to travel and perform on the same day? Yeah, it, it can be it can be rough. Or what's the longest travel you've had to do and perform on the same day, I guess I should ask? On the exact same day, I would say f- driving from Iowa to, I want to say Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, on the same day and then wrestling that night and then driving home the following day. Um, that was probably the longest drive where I wrestled on the exact same day. The longest drive I ever made was from Iowa up to Chicago and then down to uh, Melbourne, Florida, which was like 20 something hours, but we didn't wrestle until the following day. But that, I mean, that travel, it, it's, that's a long flight. You know, you're, 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 you're in those seats, not the most comfortable seats in the world. You know, they give these guys first class treatment and everything. So they can, they have sleep pods and, and, you know, all the best foods and medical staff flies with them and helps them with their injuries and stuff on the way over. So they're not traveling like you Helping or them I sleep, would. all the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're not traveling like you, you or I would have to travel uh, if we were to make a trip to Germany, but still, you know, that the jet lag is real the, all of the th- all of the anxieties that come along with travel, those things are real. And I just feel like Mike McDaniel is taking the smart approach by getting his team over there early and, and helping them get acclimated to the change. And, and hopefully, you know, that'll bear some fruit come, come Sunday morning. I think the first game where um, 
this was really put under the microscope, and I could be completely wrong, but at least for this year, the first time this was put under the microscope was the Buffalo Bills when they faced the Jags in London. Um, the Bills did travel on Friday morning, and I think they only had like 29 yards in the first quarter. They didn't have a first down until there were 12 seconds left in the first quarter. So that's what really got my gears going about, you know, you think about the Dolphins and the Chiefs, and seeing that, you know, maybe going on a Friday can jet lag a team Maybe you sputter your wheels for a couple of drives. I think that could be a complete game changer when you're talking about a team like the Miami Dolphins. One thing, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. The Kansas City Chiefs have an absolutely fantastic defense. And I think just having a couple of drives here where maybe the Chiefs offense is sputtering, we actually know that they are dealing with some struggles here. They have a bunch of receivers who just drop the ball. There's no other explanation for it other than that. But if that's happening for a couple of drives, you sprinkle a little jet lag. I mean, I think the Dolphins would have an opportunity there to at least figure things out and be comfortable entering, let's say, the second quarter compared to, you know, Casey needing to go into halftime to breathe for a minute. I don't know for sure, but that's kind of the vibe I'm starting to get. Yeah, and I could definitely, you know, follow you down that path here. A lot of people are expecting a high-scoring game, you know, two really great offenses, although the Chiefs looked pretty abysmal against the Denver Broncos last weekend. You expect them to to figure things out, get things turned around. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes after all. Exactly. But if you, if you got two high-scoring offenses going against each other and they're trading touchdowns here, you know, and it's supposed to be a high-scoring game, you're right. A couple stops at the beginning of the game to get the Dolphins, you know, ahead of the Chiefs and, and leave the Chiefs playing catch-up, that could be all the Dolphins need if they keep putting touchdowns on the board throughout the contest, you know. So if the Chiefs do start slow – uh, you could see you could see the Dolphins start to pull away there early in in the game, and and that could be consequential to the outcome of this one. So I'm seeing an over under of fifty and a half with a little bit of juice going towards the under. Where where would you lean on something like that? He, I uh, I wish I had the benefit of knowing you know what what typically hits when on these overseas games is the under typically hit you know to because be fair, of the travel. They do, they do say that it's the lunder. You bet the lunder. Yeah, I don't well, know if. I, uh, Junder? I don't think a junder works though. So it's we're we're in, we're in uncharted territory here. I I don't know. Just seeing that seeing that number, I would definitely you know not factoring in the travel overseas. I would definitely take the over on that one. I mean, the Dolphins themselves can put up thirty points in their sleep, um, unless they're projecting the Dolphins to hold the Chiefs under under twenty points, which would just be phenomenal. That would be really good. Uh, for us, I, I definitely, I definitely would take the over on that, but make, you know, when you consider it's a, uh, an overseas game, it does give you a little bit of pause there. Three of Miami's last four games that over wouldn't have hit. So, so I think this is going to be interesting and, you know, the idea is all about offense, but I do think the defense is going to play a huge, huge role. We'll get into injuries in just a second here, but Merrick, we didn't get to talk on Monday. I'd love to get your sense of how this defense can flat out set a tone and how not only that they're getting better and hey Vic Fangio some people might not be able to admit it he might be a good defensive coordinator yeah I think he is <laughs> uh I mean my first thought you know, you know and you guys have talked about it this week so far but Jalen Ramsey coming back like that's just his value to this team is immeasurable and you saw that in just the one game he played zero catches, zero yards, interception, had a forced fumble that was negated by a penalty on uh, the Patriots offense. That ball bounced out of bounds anyway, so the, the defense wouldn't have recovered it. But I mean, it, yeah, it took, the, it took that, that little, that little uh, tally mark off the stat sheet in the forced fumble column for Jalen Ramsey, but we all saw it. It was sound tackling technique. He, he ran the, his helmet through the ball carrier there right on the football. I mean, just you, you really can't overstate how awesome it was to watch Jalen Ramsey in that game. He baited Mac Jones perfectly on that interception. Just, it, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And considering he did that without Xavier Howard on the other side, without Javon Holland behind him playing safety, and also considering the fact that we're likely to get both of those guys back this weekend, this defense is certainly on an upswing and the sky's the limit for them for real. And the pass rush is, is rounding into form as well. Bradley Chubb's looking like he's worth that contract now, uh, you know, all of a sudden. And Jalen Phillips is back and getting healthy. He looks really good. You see, David Long Jr. looks like a like a home run acquisition for the team in the linebacker room. Like, if, if we get 
this defense healthy and they stay healthy, they have the, the makings of a top five unit. Uh, and what perfect timing for, for them to round into form here halfway through the season with a six and two record under their belts already. Saying that, do you regret saying that you take the over at 50 and a half? <laughs> no, I think the Chiefs are still the Chiefs, and they still have it's really true. good players. Travis Kelsey's still playing for that team. Isaiah do you think Pacheco... they'll cover Travis Kelsey? Because I see some teams like the Chargers, they just they don't know Travis Kelsey's a player in the NFL. So do you think well, the Dolphins will actually try to cover Travis Kelsey? As Dolphins fans, we know historically they, they don't always do well <laughs> against tight ends. Uh, and Travis Kelsey, last I checked, pretty good. Pretty good football player uh, at the tight end position for the Kansas City Chiefs. So um, I think they, you know, as long as everyone gets back healthy, I think they have the horses in the stable to be able to run with him. You can put Jalen Ramsey on him. You can put Javon Holland on him. I would, you know, even trust Deshaun Elliott doing a little work with Travis Kelsey the way Elliott's been playing lately. Uh, you have a lot of options and you don't have to cover Travis Kelsey with a linebacker. You know what I mean? I think that's where exactly. teams get teams get into trouble. It's like, oh, we'll put a linebacker on him. Well, they're too slow. Uh, we'll put a, a nickel corner on him. Well, they're too small. Well, Jalen Ramsey is neither slow nor small, and I would trust him to match up with Travis Kelsey better than most defenders in this league. And Javon Holland, the same, the same way. You know, are they going to completely erase Travis Kelsey from the game? No, probably not. But you don't need to. You just need to be able to contain him. I'm thinking maybe five or six catches for 65, 75 yards. That's a solid stat line for Kelsey, but it's certainly not a stat line that's going to bury the Dolphins six feet under. So if you can kind of contain him to that and keep him out of the end zone or keep him from, from catching the ball and turning it upfield for another 20, 25 yards, I, I think you're going to have a, a good day on defense. And I think if the Dolphins defense does get healthy and it looks like they are, I, I trust them, this iteration of the Dolphins defense, I trust them against Travis Kelsey more so than I would any Dolphins defense in recent memory. Even if that defense had Deion Jordan, the, the tight end stopper? <laughs> the tight end stopper. Is he... Ugh. I was so happy when they made that trade, and then it it was all downhill from there. The value was insane. The value is insane. But we're not here to get upset, so I'm, I'm going I'm no. to bury that one no. right there. Merrick, you showed up on the show last week, and you had a bit of a wish list. And I have to admit to you that after you said that the Dolphins should trade for Aaron Donald, I was like, yeah, okay, <laughs> whatever. But all Tuesday, as I was scrolling my feed, there was a massive trend of people asking for Aaron Donald to be signed to the Miami <laughs> Dolphins. So, of course, that was a pipe dream, but, you know, you let those thoughts creep into your head. But overall, are you happy with how the trade deadline ended? You have Dallas picking up a cornerback, Russell Douglas from the Green Bay Packers. You have, uh, who was it? The Jaguars added a guard. How thrilling is that? Ezra Cleveland. So when you consider that there were a couple teams who made – improvements we'll, we'll call them improvements i don't even think ezra's starting um for the browns i think he or the jaguars i think he's just a depth piece the dolphins didn't do too much so where, where do they stand right now did they have to do something to kind of keep up with the pack yeah, i don't think they had to uh I, you know i i floated the name aaron donald as just a complete pipe dream Yo, just whoa. i i believe i even said it was 99.9 percent .9 not going to happen you know just I didn't know how they were going to make it work or, or, or pay him or anything like that. But, you know, I, I didn't seriously think that the Dolphins or any team would trade for Aaron Donald for that matter. You mentioned the Bills getting Razul Douglas. That's a good ad for them. He is a good player. He's a good player, uh, dime corner, nickel corner. Um, he will help the Buffalo Bills. Um, but the Miami Dolphins, while not making a trade, are also getting a lot of players back as well. We talked about that players coming back from injury. You know, we could be getting Teron Armstead back this week, if not after the bye. Uh, his practice window was open. We could be getting, you know, Xavier Howard back, Javon Holland back. Devon Achan is coming off of injured reserve after the bye week as well. So th this team is getting a lot of reinforcements back. Connor Williams hasn't played in a while. And, and you know, this, this offense looks different when he is manning that center position. So while holding a 6-2 and two record and having a, a – a, you know, a record-breaking offense with record-breaking performances by individual players, they still haven't been healthy. So th this this team's going to get healthier on both sides of the ball, and it'll feel like they made some mid-season trades, even when they didn't actually have to give up any draft capital to do so. Any more draft capital, anyways. 
it was a little scary because I actually just tweeted out, are we mad the Dolphins didn't make any moves? And you can go back and check this. Not a single person said yes. Not a single person was mad. And that just absolutely blew my mind that we're all kind of on the same page here. However, Barrick, we got to make one slight correction to what you said. The Dolphins have made one move. Chase Claypool. We cannot forget about him. They they did trade trade for Claypool uh, a few weeks back. Not a trade deadline deal. You saw Claypool get in the game a little bit against the Patriots. He was hyped too. He he wants to kick down a door so badly. Yeah, I he 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 was uh he he had the one catch, but had some good yards after catch on that, and that was all muscle. That was all power, which was nice to see. It's uh, don't get me wrong, it's really fun watching Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle do their thing. They're extremely fast. They like to make guys miss. Uh, but sometimes you just like to watch a football player hit another football player in the mouth. And Chase Claypool definitely did that uh, on his reception. So that was fun. But he was also great in the in the run blocking game. He was yep. blocking his ass off, which is great to see. Jalen Waddle came out. He said that today in his media availability. You, you have to block to play for the Miami Dolphins. And Chase Claypool said, hey, I'm cool with that. And he, uh, he planted some Patriots defenders on their asses in that game. And that was uh, a fun thing to, to see as well. So now we'll see if maybe you get a, a few more uh, packages on offense for Claypool. I'd love to see some end arounds and jet sweeps and things like that. Mike McDaniel loves to do plays like that. So we could see some of that uh, happening here soon. And maybe it'll, it'll get unleashed against the Chiefs, a game where they're going to have to score a lot of points to win this one, I feel. Uh, and who knows? Do you think that Miami muscling through so many injuries might have kind of guided their decision to not sign anyone. Uh, I was going through the practice squad and I know the the rules have changed recently uh, where you can have some veterans on that um, unit. I mean, you saw what Julio Jones did with the Eagles, right? You start them on the practice squad and you work them up. It's a nice way to kind of juggle your roster. The Dolphins have five players. They actually re-signed Perry Nickerson to the practice squad yesterday, yesterday being Wednesday. And that's someone who played in five games for the Miami Dolphins already this year. So I'm kind of getting the sense that these guys are feeling confident with the process, right? These guys aren't stars, right? They could have gone out, added a chase young for a third round pick, and that would have been great. You're instantly adding talent to the team. But I think the Dolphins are really starting to trust some of these second and third string guys who have had to come in and play. Brandon Peely, Deshaun Hand, these guys might not be higher than like 70 on Madden, but we've seen what they can do in a game. And that progress, practicing all throughout training camp as well, might just mean more to this front office than going out and, and signing someone and trying to pick them up and, and you know give them the express view of the scheme and everything like that. And and I believe you mentioned this an episode or two ago where I was on with you guys where you were talking about how Julio Jones can sign with the Eagles and then immediately play like three or four days later because their scheme isn't as complex as the Miami Dolphins scheme. The Miami Dolphins offensive scheme is based on timing and anticipation, being where you're supposed to be uh, in the right window at the right time. Uh, and you can't just, you can't, like, like you said, you can't just muscle your way through that type of stuff. It's, it's, it's very precise. It's very intricate. And that's why you see a guy like Chase Claypool get traded for, and then he doesn't see the field for a couple weeks and he doesn't get any meaningful snaps for three weeks because he has to learn the system. It's a very heady system, system, a very intricate system and adding somebody on either side of the ball, because I would say the defense is actually also a very intricate defensive system. There are very specific rules and specific assignments for different roles on that defense. So you can't just sign a guy and then put him in a spot and say, okay, just go rush the passer or go do this thing that you always do because it's a very specific defense. So, you know, you could trade for somebody at the trade deadline, but you might not even see an immediate return. You might have to wait two or three weeks for that player to contribute significantly. So then you ask yourself, you know, am I giving up a third round pick for Chase Young, not from week nine on, but more so like week 12 on. And is it Great worth point. it from, from that, from that uh, you know, standpoint? And, and I don't have the answer for that. I think Chase Young is a, is a good player, maybe not as dominant as, as uh, at least the commanders would have hoped when they took him high in the draft. Uh, obviously not. They traded him for a third round pick. So um, I think he'll do well in San Francisco, but I was okay with the Dolphins not making a move there. And then you look at who else got dealt. And like you were talking about, Ezra Cleveland. Uh, I like our guards better than Ezra. 
crazy to say, but it's true, man. It's these guys have been. I mean, Lester Cotton comes in, and I, the coolest thing I saw. Sorry to cut you off. Was Travis Wingfield, right? He works for the Dolphins. He is an absolute nut when it comes to grinding the film. I think he had a tweet, and I'm sorry if this is wrong, where he's like, "Oh wait, they were rotating in Robert Jones and Lester Cotton for a little bit, and and nobody could tell the difference." And and it, I thought that was so interesting, where we could kind of just see that this unit was still operating without the fact that, hey, we're switching guys in and out, and it's not just completely blowing up this entire offense. I thought that was one of the coolest uh, little little nuggets I thought I uh, might have uncovered. Again, I could be wrong about that, but I thought he tweeted that out. I just I, – I was sad. that you're, you're young. I'm an old head. All old heads listening to this podcast will get my joke that our guards are better than Ezra. It was an old band from the 90s <laughs> named, named Better Than Ezra. Had Ooh. like one or two songs, so uh... – uh, anyways, yeah, but but like who who were they who were they realistically going to deal for? Right. Aaron Donald wasn't happening. They couldn't afford somebody like Garrett Bowles. Plus, they really like the tackles and the offensive linemen they have here right now. Which, if you would have said that a year ago, I think everybody would have laughed. Actually, I, I think Chris Greer did say that during the offseason, and everyone did laugh. Um, and then you know we've seen how that's played out. This team, uh, this offensive line is completely turned around. So I don't think there were a lot of additions you were going to make, and there wasn't. You know, at some point you gotta you gotta draft young players to replace aging, expensive guys if you want to keep the window open. So I think the Dolphins are doing things the right way right now. Um, you know, they're trying to win this year, next year. They're all in right now, but I, I don't think they're trying to, you know, kind of hamstring hamstring themselves. So much so that they, in two, three years, are going to have to, you know, tear it all the way back down to the ground and, and build it back up, which, you know, is appreciative. I am appreciative of that as a fan who's been through too much pain in my lifetime with this team. And I'm just skimming quickly, but I mean, you go down this roster, Deshaun Elliott's your starting strong safety and the Dolphins needed a safety just dealing with injuries. Brandon Jones missed the first four or five weeks of the season on offense. Braxton Berrios is only the first year starter on this team. So that kind of too speaks to how we got to trust these guys and move and develop each week together. And I mean, you, you go through the list of this offensive line. Robert Jones started in the playoffs for this team. Lester Cotton started in the playoffs uh, for this team. Keon Smith is maybe the wild card that who hasn't played a lot of time, but hey, it's a good thing that Austin Jackson has stayed healthy. And then, you know, even, I know this is going to be horrible to say, but Liam Eichenberg started a game at center in Philadelphia. No matter what fire he gets to th thrown in from there, it won't be as bad as that, right? It won't be as bad as being thrown in the fire against the Buffalo Bills. And I just think that stuff's so important when someone wants to say, oh, we should have made a trade. We should have done this. I think that our perspective of the players kind of gets stuck on the, you know, preseason training camp type um, where they are on the depth chart. But I mean, so much goes into that and it's so fluent throughout the year where these guys change and just, you know, you're only funny against two or three people just because you don't bunny hop them or take a starting job doesn't mean you're not getting better. Yeah. And, and, you know, they got practices, numerous practices, numerous games. These guys get better as the season goes along. So, you know, barring any, any crazy injury or anything like that on the first part of the year, you know, you don't necessarily need to make a move, especially when your team's playing as well as the Miami Dolphins are playing. So um, they're rolling with what they got and what they, what they've got has, has gotten them to a six and two record. And especially on offense has, has proven to be one of the top units in the league. And now this defense is getting healthier and uh, yeah, things are shaping up and uh, you get a little nervous, man, those expectations go up and, and you just don't want to be let down, but hopefully this is the year they don't let us down. Hopefully this is the year where, where they keep the winning ways up through the regular season, find themselves with a playoff spot, maybe a high seed in the playoffs, maybe the number one seed in the playoffs. And this weekend's game will go, a long way towards, uh, you know, them being able to, to claim that. And, uh, you know, you see what happens from there. Uh, but it's been a fun ride so far. I promise to never bring this up again, but I want to give you one chance, Merrick. Just one. You were becoming, and it was all you shielding yourself from pain and, and frustration. You jumped off the deep end and might have been more of a, let's say, high school parent on the sideline at a football game. I There was a DM he sent <laughs> us with the Patriots winning 7 to nothing that was just mm -hmm. kind of jumping off the deep end. After that message, the Miami Dolphins outscored the New England Patriots 31-10. to 10. So I just wanted to give you the floor for a minute to uh, respond to that. 
Yeah, and it it, it kind of harkened back to my main gripe from from the last episode I was on last Wednesday with you guys, where I just talked about this team having a soft mentality with injuries and sitting guys when these guys wanted to play, you know, it looked like Javon Holland had cleared concussion protocol. Now they came out and said that he hadn't. Um, So who knows if that was the team holding him back or if he was still, you know, suffering symptoms, whatever it may be, but he didn't play. Xavier Howard has been trying to play the last two weeks. He didn't play against the Patriots. Connor Williams was active but standing on the sideline with a helmet in his hand. And that seemed crazy to me. If he was, if he was good enough to be your emergency center, then why not put him out there and play? Uh, you know, Hey, these guys are, are coaches in the NFL for a reason. I'm not Mike McDaniel knew what he was doing all along. The dolphins beat the Patriots by two touchdowns. Now it was a little close and I didn't like very specifically. I, I DM'd you guys after that, that touchdown by the Patriots that put him up seven to nothing. Cause I was really pissed off that Justin Bethel was on the field and we still weren't seeing cam Smith. And I'm not taking that back. I still am upset that we're not seeing cam Smith. I think that he got injured during practice last week and was seen in a walk. He might've even been well, active, but that might've been another scenario where it was, he's going to be active just in case there's a fire yeah. type thing. Yeah, you're probably right on that. I just I'm getting a little anxious. I want to see him. He looks so good in preseason, and and you know he was all the 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 talk of the town in Miami was about how how well he was doing in in training camp practice. So, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see him get some reps, man. You might need him at some point, and you're certainly going to want to use him in the future uh, for this team. But you know, Vic Fangio's old school. He's going to do what he's going to do. So. Uh, it, in hindsight is 2020 and it was smart for the dolphins to hold those players out against the Patriots. So they could come back healthy, fresh geared up for this big game against the chiefs. They felt like they had enough to defeat, uh, you know, a depleted Patriots team. It didn't feel like the Patriots team, you know, coming into this game, they had some momentum, you know what I mean? They, they were coming off of a victory against the Buffalo bills. So they didn't, feel like they were going to be a pushover. And I I wouldn't say that they were a pushover, even the Dolphins, even though the Dolphins did win by two touchdowns against them. Things got a little hairy there late. Um, But, but again, it it worked out in our favor, in the Dolphins favor. And uh, hindsight is 2020. And I'm looking back on that and going, you know what? They were right. I was wrong. Uh, I'd give you all the credit in the world, Mike McDaniel. You're a smart man. And that's why they pay you the big bucks. With that, too, though, I, I think, like, you make a great point. The Patriots were in this game. The Jalen Ramsey interception, like, it was much more than just an interception. That was a Patriots team driving right before the half to tie the game, right? And then what was the first play after halftime? What did the Dolphins do on the first play? Fumble, yeah. And then the Patriots actually, I think, had negative three yards on that drive, but they still, there's a scenario there where they're up 17 to, or, well, well, but yeah, 17, 14, you know, 10 or four minutes into the second half. So, so I totally get the gripes. I, I just saw the comedic element of that. And, and I, I did definitely wanted to bring it up again. I joked with you in the DMs because this is an exciting week because all the news is being released before we pot because they are in Germany. So everything's getting released early in the morning. And man, I saw one of the most positive tweets in the entire world coming from Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post because all he did is he just started listing this player is looking like they're going to play. This player is going to look like they're going to play so on and so on. Merrick, choose your adventure. Which player do we want to get jazzed up about first? Oh, that's a great question. I think for me, Connor Williams coming back is, is a big deal. I'm I'm not going to say he's my most, you know, I'm not most excited for him. Uh, but I, I do think he affects the game, especially against a defensive line like the Chiefs have. Chris Jones on that defensive interior for the Kansas City Chiefs, Monster. he is a game wrecker. And I, you know, did not want to see him going up against Liam Eikenberg. So if you can get Connor Williams back for this game, and Mike McDaniel still being a little coy about this, he's saying, you know, they're they're still day to day, and we're we're worried about what a setback would do for these guys long term. I'll tell you what, if you if you want me to be real mad, <laughs> as more mad than I was last week, if they sit Connor Williams and Xavier Howard because they're worried about the <laughs> long term, like, bro, you want number one seed in this conference or what? You want home field advantage throughout the playoffs or what? Like, let these guys play. But if we can get Connor Williams back going against a defensive line like that, going against Chris Jones, going against George Karloftis, uh, guys like that for the Kansas City Chiefs, really stout defensive line, I'm going to feel real good 
about uh, about that return. And not only just for his blocking ability, but I think the timing of the offense works better when Connor Williams is out there. Again, with all these motions and these shifts, the ball has to be snapped at a very, very particular time. At a, and it has to be put in a very particular place. And, you know, Connor Williams has had his snap issues in the past, but his timing on these snaps always seemed to be spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it felt like the offense was... You know, if it's running at a 90% now, which is still pretty good, it was at 100% when Connor Williams was in, at least is in terms of the timing, the shifts, and the motion. So uh, I'd be really excited to get Connor Williams back. But then, on the other hand, Xavier Howard coming back makes me feel real good, too, because you got him on one side, you got Jalen Ramsey on the other, and, uh, you know, you got to throw it to one side of the field, right? Left or right, you you pick a spot. And I feel good about our chances with those two ball hawks manning, uh, you know, both those sides there. Who do you feel most excited for? Xavier Howard, thousand percent. <laughs> those like we we've kind of are annoyed with Byron Jones, and I wouldn't even go to as far to say I'm annoyed with Byron from Byron Jones. It's just kind of everything just fell apart, and and that happens in life sometimes. But when the Miami Dolphins had Xavier Howard and another stud cornerback on the field, this defense was electric. I'm just so excited to see this secondary at full force. And I guess we might as well throw Javon Holland in there with it. Just seeing the core four of, of Jalen Phillips, Jalen Ramsey, excuse me, Xavier Howard, uh, Javon Holland, and Deshaun Elliott, who's been one of the biggest surprises of the season. Seeing that group at full force is going to be one of the most exciting moments of the year, especially when you consider the backups, right? I, I know that sounds weird to say, but the depth on this unit is absolutely insane. We have Justin Bethel on the third string now instead of being a nickel <laughs> cornerback, so that's always a nice little bonus. And I don't know if this is exactly, like, related but seeing Jalen Ramsey out there, I think it made Cater Kohu four times better. His ability just to kind of come down and be that disruptive force when you're trying to attack outside the hashes, especially near the line of scrimmage. My God, man. So I just think that Xavier Howard just lifts this group so much into being not good, not great, but potentially special. And you mentioned it, man. Who are you going to throw to? Are you going to throw to Jalen Ramsey, who just had the interception? Or are you going to throw to Xavier Howard, who, while the stat is a little little weighted, he has the most interceptions in the entire league since 2016. So it's those two alone, seeing how that dynamic changes, seeing if maybe offenses decide, hey, we got to run the football more. We want to slow these games down. All right. Go get eaten alive by Raekwon Davis, Christian uh, Wilkins, and, and Zach Steeler. So this defense, just seeing everything come together, and then, I mean, to continue the rant, David Long Jr. being one of the best linebackers in football all of a sudden. I mean, just seeing the entire group to come, come together, that's why I go back to what we were talking about earlier, man. I think I like the under. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's just so scary when you see it Patrick is, dude. Mahomes you can't on the other side. It's the, so one thing, the one thing that Mahomes can do, uh, unlike very many other quarterbacks out there, is extend the play and, and mm-hmm. give his guys an opportunity to freelance a little bit and, and get open down the field. Um, that's where having a guy like Javon Holland is really going to come in handy. He, you know, it's his job to make sure nobody gets deeper than him. Um, you know, Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard shutting these guys down on the outside. That would be big too. Uh, we need an effective pass rush and people need to kind of, you know, mine their gaps and not get too far upfield to allow Mahomes to, to, to climb the pocket, step through and run. He's been doing a lot of running, um, this year, you know, Travis Kelsey was a little hampered with injury early on, uh, and he doesn't have the best receiving core out there. They all do something a little well, but he doesn't have a complete true number one wideout out there. So uh, allowing or, or containing Mahomes and not allowing him to get outside the pocket, not allowing him to scramble downfield, that's going to be a big thing. But I mean, if you if you take a look at this Dolphins defense now, and, and fingers crossed that, that it actually happens, but now that it's fully healthy, and you're going to get the defense that you had on paper before the season started. You're going to have them all out there. You're going to have Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard, Javon Holland, Deshaun Elliott, Jerome Baker, David Long, Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, Raekwon Davis coming in there, Andrew Van Ginkle coming in. Where's the weakness? Cater mm-hmm. Kohu, Nick Needham. These are our backups now. These are our depth pieces now. We're not relying on them to to play the games of their lives. You know, just come in for, uh, you know, half of the snaps or 60% of the snaps and, and do your job in the nickel and the dime, all that stuff. But where's where's the weakness? This On paper, 
this team, again, when they're healthy, if all these guys come back, there is no weakness on that defense. Not with the way that Jerome Baker and David Long Jr. have been playing these last few weeks. This linebacking core has really stepped up their game, which, you know, makes total sense. They're learning a new defense and and playing alongside each other for the first time in their careers. It's going to take time for the team to gel. But they're gelling, and they're gelling at the right time. And, you know, it's going to be the biggest test that they face so far this year with Patrick Mahomes on the other side uh, of the ball here, but they get to face this test with the healthiest version of this defense that we've seen all year. So I don't know you, I'm asking you, is there, is there a weakness on this defense? Cause I can't find one. I think I want to see them prove they can stop the run consistency consistently that that chargers game is still scary in the back of my head a little bit. Um, we've seen them really improve as a tackling team. I mean, that Buffalo game, man, I just go back and watch those highlights of just people bouncing off Stefan Diggs left and right. I mean, ugh, that, that, I just don't see that happening again though, which has been a pretty big sigh of relief. And Isaiah Pacheco, he's a good back. He runs physical. with, yeah, very physical. So, so much power in such a small frame. He's a pinball. He'll bounce off you. If you don't have sound tackling technique against a guy like Pacheco, he's going to make you pay for it. So I, I agree. Containing him is going to be big, uh, which sounds weird going into a game playing against Patrick Mahomes when you go, hey, if we can, con- if we can contain isaiah pacheco then we're gonna be all right you know what i mean but but he's looked really good this year he's a good runner good uh pass catcher out of the backfield as well so uh it's not gonna be an easy game that's for sure but you feel a lot better about it you know with a with a help healthy defense going into this one it, it might have swayed my my score prediction for this one foreshadowing a little bit there I want to get your thoughts on the offensive line again real quick here, because if you look at this depth chart, it's a lot of Lester Cotton and Robert Jones as the backups. If Connor Williams is back healthy, um, Robert Jones is day-to-day with a uh, hamstring, pulled hamstring, I think it was. Yeah, something something like that. Yeah, Day-to-day, they're hoping to get him back soon. And after having four or five starters out last week against the Patriots, they could actually have four or five back. That means the left guard gets put right under the microscope. Would you keep a Lester Cotton or a Robert Jones over there to kind of solidify the unit? Or would you follow what the Dolphins currently have on their depth chart, which is Liam Eikenberg as the starting left guard? Anyone but Liam Eikenberg for me. Like Again, he's played okay in, in spurts at center. Not the best, not the worst, but I hate his left guard tape. He's always struggled at left guard. Uh, and it might be just a thing where he's a better center than he is a guard. So I... I don't really want to mess with it. Lester Cotton looked Same. fine last week. I like Robert Jones. I think Robert Jones is a is a solid player. I think he. I think they like him more at right guard. Or, or actually, when Hunt went down, did Cotton go to right guard and and then Jones came in at left guard? I'm trying to remember exactly how that went down. But I like Robert Jones. I wouldn't be opposed to to playing him at left guard. Um, I know there's been rumblings of if Teron comes back, maybe Kendall Lamb can can suit up at left guard. I think Kendall Lamb himself actually did say that he does not like playing left guard. He doesn't feel like it's his strongest position. So maybe it's a situation where you you try to keep him healthy and get him feeling a little fresher by giving him a couple games off. Because again, I hate to slander the man, but Teron Armstead, he is an injury waiting to happen. He, you know, he's not going to come back against the Chiefs and then magically you know, find the elixir that keeps him healthy for the entire season. He will get hurt again, and we will need Kendall Lamb to fill in at left tackle again. So I'm not sure I'm risking him at that left guard spot, but between Cotton and Jones and, and you know, in break glass in case of emergency scenario, Liam Eikenberg, I think you can you can handle missing one guy in one spot along a five-man front like that. You know, the the left guard's going to get help from the left tackle. He's going to get help from the center. And if Connor Williams is back at center, I feel a lot better about that as well. Uh, I am worried about the Robert Hunt situation. I really hope that he can come back. I do feel like maybe this is a game where they'd be more likely to play an injured player um, because they realize how important this game is in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and like you said, the bye week next week, you want to get that number one seed. So, you know, we'll see if if Robert Hunt can pull through. But he came back after halftime, and he was standing on the sideline. He didn't have any ice on his leg. He wasn't wrapped up, nothing like that. So you think that that maybe bodes well for his chances this Sunday. But, you know, with the team being so conscious about injuries, it's really up in the air at this point with Robert Hunt. 
Brandon Shell was all I needed to see for the idea of, hey, maybe let's pe- let people get good at one position. I mean, seeing how bad of a left tackle Brandon Shell was, and, and he wasn't amazing as a right tackle, but just serviceable, gets the job done, and overall you're not going to complain about it. Seeing that makes me really hope that they kind of say, Liam, you are fine as a center. We're going to keep you there, and when you next time you hear your name called, you're going to be confident because you have been a center before, and you we will trust you to do that. Not that the sky is falling, that you were playing left guard, probably me being pretty mediocre and all of a sudden now you got to move to center again so just wake up and make it happen I agree with you there that I think it's best let Butch Berry let this offensive staff really develop these guys give them clear uh you know benchmarks they got to reach and just kind of let them do their own thing and progress at their own rate Merrick you teased them earlier let's get these predictions how you feeling about Sunday so I did ask the kiddos uh, for their scores you know they were sad they couldn't get on the pod last week uh, my my youngest son uh, I don't know where this is coming from, but he has the Chiefs winning forty-one to seventeen. Oh boy! Which, which would just be the worst thing that could happen, right? We would all. I mean, again, we'd be six and three, still a solid record there. But I would be pounding that panic button so hard if they lost forty-one to seventeen to the Chiefs right after the Broncos held the Chiefs to what nine points? Was it nine points? Was it, that, Jesus, man, that's. That's sad. That's pathetic. And guess who started Patrick Mahomes last week in fantasy? It was I. Uh, whatever. I don't care. This is a bad season for me. Anyways, uh, I, I asked him why it was. And he said, well, the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. And I said, yeah. And I'm like, what else? And he goes, and they have a uh, uh, fast receiver. And I was like, are you talking about Tyree Kill? Because yes! he's on our team now. And he was like, no, the other guy. And I was like, Who's the other guy? He was like, I don't know. Mecole Hardman. <laughs> yeah, he, there's no way he would know who Mecole Hardman or Marquez Valdez-Scantling is or Rashi Rice or or any of those names. So he he Too says funny. 41-17 Chiefs because of Patrick Mahomes and the fast receiver. Um, so pick your poison there. My my young, or excuse me, my oldest does pick a Dolphins victory. He says 27-24 Miami Dolphins and all week leading into the Patriots game, you know, feeling bad after that, that Eagles loss and, and kind of looking ahead and, and, you know, working out some of these predictions in my head just to see where we could get for a final record. I had the Dolphins losing this game against the Kansas city chiefs. And maybe even after the Dolphins game against the Patriots, I might've had them losing against the Kansas city chiefs. And then I saw the Kansas city chiefs put up nine points against the Denver Broncos when we put up 70 against the Denver Broncos. And then I saw that the Dolphins are traveling, you know, and we talked about it earlier. They're traveling early in the week and the Chiefs are waiting till much later. And then I saw the Dolphins were getting a lot of key players back. We talked about that as well. And I think I flip-flopped and I think Uh I changed my mind. And I think the Dolphins are going to win this one. I think I'm on on a 28 to 24 victory for the Miami Dolphins in Germany against the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think we can finally put to bed the narrative of Dolphins cannot beat, you know, playoff caliber, playoff quality teams, you know, lost to the Bills, lost to the Eagles, but a win against the Chiefs, uh, which would leave them with the number one seed uh, heading into the bye week, that would feel pretty, pretty good, and and I do I do think it happens. I think th- I think there's a special aura around this team right now, maybe thanks to Jalen Ramsey a little bit, and uh, I think they get it done. I, I like that you slid in that the over hits there with a 52. I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, is that stupid to say that this team, you just feel like, I feel like they're entering the game just like, again, this is going to sound so stupid, just that they want it, right? Like, I, I, I know that sounds so lame to say. Obviously, you want to win every game, but it just seems like the way the dots are connecting, you hear how bad they were after the Philly game, the bye week's coming up. I mean, there is no way this team isn't going to come into this game wanting to do everything it can to win. And I don't want to make excuses for the Chiefs, but maybe the Chiefs are like, you know, divisional game. It was the first time the Broncos beat us in, what, 17 attempts. It just kind of tries to talk around it, and hopefully this can kind of be a wake-up call for them that there might be. Maybe it's time for the Chiefs to panic. I'd be cool with that, but I don't want this to get clipped, and I don't want to sound like an idiot because Patrick Mahomes is awesome. No one can tell you otherwise. And if anyone can make – um the receiver you found waiting at the bus stop to go to high school, make it work. I mean, it'd be him. Yeah. One thing that does give me pause actually is that loss against the Broncos. Cause you know, they're a motivated team now they're angry. Yep. They want to come out and they want to prove that they're Making still news, top they want dogs. It. 
Yeah, they, they, they want it too. But, you know, there are there are things to be said about that. It's not just about how you feel internally uh, and I'm angry, so I'm going to play better. It's the, the, the coaches go back to the drawing board and they go, what's not working? What will work? Can we simplify something? Can we ask players to do something a little bit different? Uh, you know, can we focus more on the ground game? Can we focus more on, on this, that, and the other? And it, they might throw out some new wrinkles that the Dolphins defense they're not prepared for. And, you know, now you're adjusting on the fly and you're trying to figure out, you know, what you can do to counter their counters. And it does make the game a little bit more tough. So we played the Philadelphia Eagles after their shocking loss. And and now we're playing the chiefs after their shocking loss as well. So you got to hope that the the result is a little bit different uh, than it was against the Eagles when the Dolphins went in and lost by two touchdowns against a really good football team. And the Chiefs are also a very good football team, both on offense and on defense. So we'll see what happens here. Um, certainly nervous for it, but at least we get to get it out of the way early, right? We don't have to wait all day like we did against the Eagles. We can just wake up and and maybe the Dolphins will piss in my Cheerios. Who knows? This is a dumb question. Do you do daylight savings time? Yes. Oh, okay. So you even get the hour too. Sorry if that, because that's probably a dumb question. I apologize. I think there's like what, three states that don't, right? There's like a sliver uh, in Indiana that doesn't, and then there's like Arizona that doesn't, and then I don't, I don't know the other one. But there's like like a county in Indiana. They were like, nah, screw you guys. We're not the doing. Karen County. Yeah, but but yeah. So I'll get the extra hour there. But yeah, the games actually start at eight thirty here. 8.30 in the morning in Iowa. So I'm going to skip the gym on Sunday morning and uh, instead drink my coffee while I watch the the Miami Dolphins hopefully put on a performance in Frankfurt, Germany. Did you know I took four years of German in high school, Jake? One of my buddies, he got really upset with me because, you know, the movie um, Beer Fest and uh, he, Das Boot. And he's like, it's the boot. I'm like, no, they're literally saying the boat. They are talking about a boat, <laughs> even though they're holding a boot. And he got so mad. Gr- great movie. Beer Fest is a great movie. <laughs> but he got so mad when I crashed his entire world with that. I think there's a movie called Das, das Boot. Yep. That's how I figured it out. Because there's a yeah. movie called Das Boot. And it's literally just a big ass boat on the front of it. Big old boat. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we will uh, we will be rooting for the Dolphins hard in in Germany, and and then maybe next time they're over there, we could take a all Dolphins, no, excuse me, another Dolphins podcast uh, trip over to Germany, and we can get loaded on some some uh, some loggers there, and eat eat some bratwurst and some schnitzel, and and we'll just we'll just expense it. We'll we'll put it on the expense account. Just write it off. Everything's a write-off. I don't know what we're writing off of. I'm actually going to the casino, and I'm just going for, like, Sunday into Monday. So I'm going to hit the road at, like, 7, hopefully have my first drink, like, 9.15 at Mohegan Sun and just be ready for the game, man. It should you're, be a fun you're, weekend. You're such a good gambler. Like, you going to the casino sounds like a fun trip. Me going to the casino sounds like torture because I'm just going <laughs> to lose all my money. I only go because I won. So now I can go. I'm, I'm I'm betting on house money. It's all free real estate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I've been staying away from the the sports betting ever since I I lost on the the what was it 49ers money line against the Browns when the 49ers were still playing good football and then the Eagles money line again who did they lose to? Jets yeah come on get that was my survivor come on get out of here that's ridiculous and that only happened because I put money on the Eagles money line. At Embrave13. Eric, my friend, you have said it all. Thank you all so much for joining another Dolphin podcast. We'll be back throughout the week as we gear up for week nine Chiefs Dolphins. But until then, I hope you all have a wonderful day and most importantly, fins up. up, baby. Boop, boop.